Time to rock and roll. 7.06 on your Wednesday evening. That can only mean one thing. The employment hour is back. Ready to take your calls. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on sale. And I'll give you this out right away. You can write this one down if you've got a pen handy or tap it into your smartphone. That would be Lior's private number. That is 416-216-5900. No longer private. Just gave it out. And as always, Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails as we read through those uh, this evening. Between the phone calls and everything else, all the business we got to do, we always start, though, with the week that was, brother. Well, it's a, it's a cold evening. I know mm. that. that was a you cold, love that. Yeah, oh, yeah. My, my favorite thing in the world, cold week as well. <laughs> uh, but I guess we can't complain. We haven't had it too bad so far. Uh, but, the, you know, I, I can always tell, John, based on the number of calls I get and the type of calls that I get at the office, uh, you know, what, what's the state of the unemployment out there? And certainly, if, you know, the last month or so is any indication, unfortunately, a lot of people are losing their jobs. Uh, you know, sign of the economy or sign of something else, I don't know. But a lot of people, you know, you can't get a, a day without a news story about someone losing their job, another company laying off people. We heard about Bombardier uh, today in the news. Uh, well, you know, I always like to talk about the week that was because a couple of situations, a couple of things that I saw that I think our listeners can uh, really learn from. Uh, and, you know, because you may be in that situation. If you lost your job, if something's happened in the workplace, you know, listen to what I'm about to tell you and obviously give us a call here on the show. The first thing I'll talk about is a situation, actually matter that I resolved today, this morning, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, this involved a, a lady that had worked at a major uh, university. Uh, she, uh, she was very excited to accept the job, relocated to accept this position with the university, a managerial position. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what she was faced with is what a lot of individuals are, are faced with, is a, a boss, in this case her director, that was frankly uh, you know, someone that, that shouldn't be managing people. Uh, her boss was very rude, uh, obnoxious, uh, you know, very belligerent, uh, put her down, yelled at her, made unreasonable demands. So what she did quite recently, she, she went to the HR person and said, listen, yep. I have concerns about this director. Can you deal with this? The response from HR is, ah, yeah, we know all about her. There's been other complaints over the years. It's just the way she is. She's not going to change. So, you know, you got to have to grin and bear it. Uh, well, unfortunately, things continued. And in fact, word got out to the manager that uh, my client had complained, so things got worse. It got so bad that my client had to effect, effect, eventually go on a medical disability leave. And she, she was you know, destroyed by this. She was uh, suffering from depression and anxiety, and she called me right before the holidays. Leo, what can I do about this uh, thing? And I told her, what you don't have to do is you don't have to go back to That's work. Right. What happened here, this poison work environment that was created and the company's refusal to do anything about this, the university's refusal, is a termination. It's a constructive dismissal. You're entitled to a compensation. And in fact, because they dealt with you in such a manner where they didn't really want to deal with your complaints, they put you off. They said, ah, this, you know, that's just one thing you have to, to deal with. Suck it up. Yeah. yeah. Th- you know, there's additional damages that you're owed there. So we started a claim for constructive dismissal. We settled this this morning for about a year's pay. She only worked there for about a year. Nice. Uh, and again, this is a, an employer that could have resolved this issue so easily if it simply followed its obligations to investigate, to determine if there's any merit to a complaint, and then to take measures to remedy the situation. So for employers, you cannot ignore a harassment complaint. There's consequences. In this case, it cost them a year's pay. Uh, and for an employee, if you're a, a, in a harassment situation, someone's mistreating you, your work environment has become poisoned, there is something you can do about it. Uh, you don't have to bear it. You don't have to, sk- to keep suffering. Very what, important. What else you got before we go? Say a uh, second situation, very, very different. Uh, I received a call from a gentleman that had uh, given his employer 
uh, notice back in October that they're going to be leaving, that he's going to be leaving, mm-hmm. resigning effective June of 2016. Uh, he wanted, he'd worked for this employer for many years, over 15 years, and he wanted to be fair for that, to that employer and give him plenty of notice so they can find a replacement. Well, fast forward to, to now, to February, the employer says, you know what, I'm not going to need you anymore, so you're gone, see you later, since you've already said you're resigning effective June. And this person called me uh, earlier this week and said, well, what can, what can I do about this? I wasn't planning to leave till June. Well, the answer is they now have to pay you till June nice. uh, because you've now, you told them you're leaving in June. They've terminated your employment. So this is no longer a termina- uh, resignation. Right. It's now a termination. So they have to pay you your severance. So they have to pay you between now and June. This happens very often when an employee gives notice of resignation and the employer says, you're off right now. You're gone today. If that's what happens, the employer still has to pay till the end of the notice, till the end of the period of time that the employee would have worked until. Uh, They can't just say, well, you said the word resignation effective two months from now, so you're gone today. If they do that, they have to pay. We'll talk about some of those news stories when we get back from a short break. 416-870-6400. And star 640 on cell. Awaiting your phone calls, we'll take those too. As we get warmed up here in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640. 715, the Employment Hour. Yeah, give us a call. We'd love to take your calls about employment, severance, uh, contractor, self-employed, all that stuff you love. Independent contractor, questions you have to ask, Lior will answer them uh, right up until 8 o'clock tonight. So news story today, yeah, Bombardier letting go of uh, thousands, really, of employees, and oddly enough, signing a contract to build some planes. Anyway, weird. Uh, 2,000 contractors. So let's talk about what it, uh, what it means to uh, to be a quote-unquote contractor, if a contractor gets severed, so when they let go, all that stuff. Yeah, and you know the, the story did say that uh, Bombardier is letting go of uh, thousands of people, including 2,000 contractors. And I thought that's that's very interesting because the fact that they're saying it's contractors, that doesn't necessarily mean that these people really in the eyes of the law are not employees. Uh, and it's very important to understand that uh, some people may believe that they're independent contractors, John. They may treat themselves as an independent contractor, then they, they pay their own taxes, maybe they have their own company. But it doesn't really matter what you consider yourself. It matters what the law considers you. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, independent contractors, contractors, may be considered to be employees and may have the rights and the entitlements of employees. And in fact, in my experience, that is often the case. So, you know, I'm not talking specifically about Bombardier. That may well be the case of Bombardier, but just generally. So you may be a contractor that lost his position and you think, well, I was a contractor, wasn't an employee, so I don't get severance. I just have to now go and find a job and without any compensation. And that may be wrong. In fact, usually it is wrong. And you may be owed full severance because in the eyes of the law, you may be an employee. So what makes one an independent contractor? An independent contractor is someone that's in business for himself or herself. Someone that is not working for the company, they work for themselves. So someone that may do jobs for someone else. Uh, Occasionally, they have clients. They try to get the number of clients. They don't have regular hours. They come and go as needed and uh, as they please. They have control over how they do the work. So they're independent. They're not someone that works for a company, regular hours under their supervision. Someone like that is an employee. So if you meet the definition of an independent contractor because you have that independence, then yes, you're an independent contractor and you may not have the same rights as an employee. But if you call yourself an independent contractor, but you work for a company, uh, you do work regularly for them, fixed hours, etc., guess what? The law is going to consider you to be an employee. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Good evening, Mary. How are you? I'm good. Good. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yes, hello. Yeah, hi, Mary. You there? You can turn your radio all the way down. That'd be smashing. 
Okay, it's yeah. down. Uh, okay. Yes, I wanted to ask Lior um, regarding my husband's last employee. Yes. Employer. Uh, he was an owner-operator for a company where uh, he was driving an owner-operator's truck, but he was hired by the company as an employee. They provided the uniform. He was taking basically orders from the company, right? Yes. It came a time where he had to stop working for that company and he, because the owner-operator was not providing the equipment for him to successfully continue his work. Now, we're asking if there's any anything that regarding severance that would be coming to him. So the company that was employing him stopped providing him equipment? Um, be, well, not the company, but the owner-operator okay. that was working for that company as well. Right, okay. And uh, Like the, tr the truck that he was driving was in such a bad disrepair, and he was not looking after it. Um, you know, it was kind of hazardous to drive the truck, so my husband was staying at home for three days, waiting maybe he would repair the truck, mm -hmm. but he was refusing. So he just said, you know, this is not safe. I'm, le I'm, I'm leaving. Left. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a, a classic example of a situation where even though it's your, your husband that decided to leave, in the eyes of the law, this would be a termination because your, the situation was created that your husband couldn't do his job. He doesn't matter if he wanted to, he simply couldn't, or it was unsafe to do the job. Mm -hmm. So that is a termination, no question about it. He would be entitled to severance. How long did he do this? How long was he working there for? He was working there for over four years. And uh, how old is your husband? He's 56, 57. Okay, now did he, after this happened, did he find another position? Did he start earning any income afterwards? Yes, he did. So when, when did he find another position? How long after this happened? I would say about two, three weeks after. So the reality is because it's, uh, he found another position, he probably only gets a month's pay here, a few weeks' pay. If he hadn't been as successful finding another position, he could have gotten as much as six months' pay. So he's owed a few weeks' pay. Uh, I'm happy to help him get that if he wants. I could uh, do it or have one of our, my colleagues at Paralegal take care of that. Yeah, he is owed severance. In this case, a few weeks' pay, three to four weeks' pay is what he would get here. Okay. What about all the times that the truck was broken in the four years that he was working? Probably we can't go back in time and, and, and deal with that. The only thing we could do is the fact that he had to stop working because of the condition of the truck. We can get him compensation, the severance that he should have gotten, because in the eyes of the law, it's as if the company had let him go. So, Mary, I'm going to give you a number to call if your husband wants to call uh, Lior, and that is 416-216-5900. 416-216-5900. Got, uh, I believe it's Henry in St. Catharines. Good evening, Henry. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Okay, pal. What do you got to, for question for Lior? Yes. Um, on behalf of my wife, actually. She works at a medical walk-in clinic, yep. and uh, they get paid monthly. Uh, I've never heard of such a thing. Is that, uh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, th th there's no, uh, no issue with that. If that's the agreement uh, and that's the way the practice is, that she gets paid once a month, yeah, it's not as common as, as getting paid biweekly uh, or, right. or, or, or twice monthly, but there's nothing illegal about that, no. So now, now, on the other hand, if she was getting paid every two weeks and then the employer said, wait a second, I'm now changing this. Instead of two weeks, I'm going to pay you once a month. That's different. They can't just change midway and decide now they're going to pay once a month. But if that was the deal throughout, uh, then that's okay. Yeah, it has been throughout. So, yeah, uh, so it, 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 it's not illegal. I understand why it's not. It's good, believe me, but yeah. it's not illegal. Yeah. 
Yeah, it makes things difficult, but uh, sure. I'll pass that along to her. Thank you very much. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Henry. We will uh, take a quick break. Lots more calls on the way. 416-870-6400. Star 640 is that number. And uh, once again, if you want to write this one down, Lior's number, by the way, you can have this anytime. 416 216 5,900, 726, taking your calls, uh, 416-870-6400, star 640. On cell, always go to the phone's top priority, John in Toronto. Good evening. Yes, hello. Good, how are you? Uh, okay, Leo, here's the scenario. My wife has a contract with a, a, basically an international company uh, for a salaried position. However, overtime is a problem because of the workload. There's no way humanly possible one can undertake such work without incurring overtime. Now, because of, there's overtime, obviously the contract, uh, I don't know how what basis this has on the contract if there's a set time period during the day to do perform work. How can she reclaim that uh, overtime pay? Is sure. there any way to do it, or is this already considered a nullified uh, contract, or has it uh, been voided because of uh, the overtime? Excellent questions, John. Uh, let me ask you a couple of things. First of all, is your wife a manager? Does she perform no, managerial no, functions? No, she's not in the managerial position. What, what kind of job? What does she do? Uh, I'd rather not say it's mostly... Uh, well, is it IT, for example? No, it's not IT. Okay. So the, the reason why I was asking about the manager and the IT is simply because there are certain positions that are exempt from overtime. Okay. For example, IT people are exempt. I would say exempt. she's more in the project management position, even though this was not the job description. Okay. This is what has basically she's been undertaking lately. Okay. So unless it's a... Again, because I don't know her specific position, unless yeah. it's a position that's exempt from overtime, and it doesn't sound like it is based on what you said, then she gets overtime. The way overtime is calculated, it's based on any hours worked over 44 hours a week. So using an example, if she works 50 hours uh, on uh, this week, then she has to get six hours worth of overtime. And overtime is calculated on the basis of time and a half. So if she gets a salary that comes to, I don't know, $1,000 a week, for example, yeah. that $1,000 is only good for up to 44 hours a week. So you can take the $1,000 divided by 44. That gives you an hourly rate. And time and a half is what overtime is. Now, uh, if she has to work, if the work she has to do is, is uh, she needs to do the work overtime in order to get the job done, she's entitled to overtime, even if the employer has not specifically approved the overtime. As long as the hours worked, the hours have to get paid. Now, the real question is, how do we get it? Yeah, that's the yeah. issue. There, there's a few ways she can ask for it. She mm-hmm. can have me demand it, or she can file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor to, to, order the, to have the Ministry of Labor order them to pay overtime. The reality, John, here is that uh, she, whatever she does, whichever one of those options, may not help her relationship with her employer. Oh, it may definitely be, not, no. <laughs> so as, as, as a practical matter, she has to consider whether she wants to do that. From a legal standpoint, is she owed overtime? Yes, she does, unless her position is otherwise exempt. She simply has to decide if it's worth it for her to go and get it. I can help her do that. I can send a letter to the company. She can try to deal with them, or she can go through the Ministry of Labor. Okay. But uh, those are her options. Is there a, an expiry period for overtime? Uh, like, uh, two yeah. years, I heard. Or it, it, like yes, that, that's exactly right. It's two years. So okay. she can go back two years now, uh, and beyond that, uh, anything that she worked more than two years ago is lost. So you know, every day she, you know, the the, the limitation period kind of you know works against her. Okay. Would she have to have, say she went back two years, would she have to have accurate logs of her overtime or was that kept somewhere? 
Well, I mean, certainly, if she's the one that's saying that she's worked overtime, she needs to be able to show that she did. Now, if she kept logs herself, that's fine. There may be uh, a security card that shows when she comes in, mm -hmm. comes out of the office. Maybe she's logged into a computer, and the com there'd right. be logs of that. Uh, but ultimately, it's un uh, up to the individual claiming the overtime to prove it. In most cases, it's not very difficult to prove. Uh, John, that number, by the way, 416-216-5900, if your wife wanted to give them a call. Got uh, Howard in Toronto. Good evening, Howard. Hi there. How are you? Okay, I want to know if uh, there's any money here. I had a buddy working for the TTC for many, many years. He became bipolar, and uh, they wanted him out, so they wanted him to sign disability papers. He never signed because of his mental condition. He's living in a group home now on disability, and I wanted to know if he could still go after the TTC for his pension money. So I, I take it, you said he worked for the TTC. Uh, he was part of the union there, I take it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the answer to that question really does depend on the terms of the collective agreement. And, and the only one that would have the answer to that question is the union. Not only would the union have the answer, the union would be the only ones allowed to help him get his pension or any other entitlements that he has. So he, as, as an employee that's a part of a union, he has to go through the union. So he has to make that call. And there's really no other remedy. And I can't answer the question without actually seeing the collective agreement. That's why he has to call the union. And you can't go near it. And, I, I, and no matter, yeah. even if we, he's owed a certain amount of money, I, as a lawyer or any lawyer, cannot help him. If you're a unionized employee, it has to be the union. Even if the union doesn't want to help you, you, you can't say, well, then I'll go to Lior. It has to be the union. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Lots more of your phone calls coming up as we continue the employment hour here. On Talk Radio AM 640. And up in the skies, we go for AM 640 Chopper Traffic. Here's Ari. 734 Employment Hour. Lior's number, by the way, this is outside the show hours, is simply 416-216-5900. You can also reach Lior through email, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We were talking before a uh, string of phone calls there about the independent contractor. So you mentioned the criteria. You know, you don't maintain office space, use your own tools, you set your own hours, so on and so forth. What if you don't meet that criteria? Can you... Still be an independent contractor. Well, no. If, if you don't meet the criteria of an independent contractor, then you're not an independent contractor. It's as simple as that. So you either are or you're not. So if you don't have your uh, your own space, you don't have a bunch of clients, you're not really in business for yourself, then you're probably an employee, and you're probably someone that has the rights of an employee. And you know the message here really it's a question of substance over form. Anyone can call themselves an independent contractor. An, em an employer can call someone in a contractor. That doesn't make them a contractor. You really have to look at the the nature of the relationship, at the reality on the ground, and on that basis, someone could be an employee or a contractor. And I can't tell you how many times, John, literally daily. I get calls from individuals that are contractors and believed for years mm -hmm. that they're contractors and really they're employees. And under that banner, you get the phone calls all the time, people saying, you know, what if they're not deducting taxes? Yeah. People say, well, how, how can I be an independent contractor, Lior? Because the company doesn't deduct taxes. I take care of my own taxes. Right. Or I have employers telling me, well, you can't tell me, Lior, that John is an employee because I don't deduct taxes for him. That's nonsense, simply because the fact that the employer is not deducting taxes doesn't change the legal relationship. Otherwise, anyone can, can be an independent contractor. Sure. Just don't deduct taxes, and that makes you an independent contractor. The fact you're actually doing something that's illegal, which is not deducting taxes, doesn't mean that it changes the nature of the relationship. So yes, you absolutely can be and are probably an employee 
if you work for someone, even if the company doesn't deduct taxes and you take care of your own taxes. So whether the company deducts taxes or not is irrelevant. It doesn't even form part of the analysis in deciding whether someone is an employee or an independent contractor. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. So does a uh, independent contractor, if they are such, do they get severance? Yes. Well, uh, that's the whole point. If an independent contractor really is an independent contractor, so they're not an employee, they uh, uh, in business for themselves, they have a bunch of clients, they come in and go as they please, then in that situation, they don't get severance if the position ends. So, you know, what's, what's an independent contract? If I have a plumber coming to my house to do work and I call him whenever I have a plumbing problem, he's an independent contractor. He's in business for them, himself. I'm one of 50 clients that he has. Right. And, you know, when he comes to come fix my plumbing, when he can, he comes and does it. And if I decide from now on I'm not going to hire you, well, that's, I don't know, severance. I can hire whoever I want. But in, uh, so there's no severance in that situation. But if really someone is an employee, if I have a plumbing company and I have someone working for me and he comes to work for me every single day, but I call him an independent contractor and then I let him go, then guess what? He's an employee and he gets severance. So there's independent contractors, there's employees. Is there anything else? So we talked about independent contractors. We talked about employees. There is an in-between category, which is what we call a dependent contractor. A dependent contractor is someone that's not an employee, but because they get most of their income from one company, they're still dependent on that company. Therefore, in that situation, they're entitled to severance as well if their position comes to an end. So I may have five clients, uh, but one client I get 90% of my income from. So I'm dependent on them economically. If they were to let me go, that would be disastrous because I would lose 90% of my income. So in that situation, if they do let me go, even though I'm not an employee, I still get severance. So dependent contractors get severance. Employees get severance. The only ones that probably don't get severance are independent contractors. Drop in a quick email here before we get to a break. This one comes from Joseph in Etobicoke. By the way, the email is lior at employmenthour.com. Joseph says, I worked for a company for just under three months as director of sales, making about 150 k uh, They let me go and said I wasn't a good quote-unquote fit. They said I was uh, on probation. Do they owe me anything? Yeah, and you know, very common ca- uh, case, by the way, uh, for, for Joseph here. Uh, I get this call and th- this question asked of me all the time, calls and emails. Uh, probation. What is this probation? Does it exist and what does it all mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you can only be on probation if you signed an employment agreement that says you're on probation. And it says that during the probation period, the employer can let you go without paying you anything. If that's what you signed, then guess what? You're on probation and they can let you go and not have to pay you anything as long as that period is no more than three months. But that's not automatic. If you never signed an agreement that says the first three months are probationary, it's not implied. It doesn't exist otherwise. So for Joseph, if he'd never signed an agreement and he worked there for three months and then they let him go, yes, he's owed severance. Not only is he owed severance, director of sales uh, uh, making 150000 even though he only worked there for three months, he could be owed four, five, six months of severance, months. So that's very important to understand. So that's why we always talk, John, about an employment agreement. That's why it's such an important document, mm. because depending on what Joseph signed, it could be the difference between him getting nothing and him getting as much as six months' pay. It's a very big deal. 
But no, probation doesn't exist in a vacuum. It has to be created by an employment agreement. And any probation can't go past three months. And there's no term that it's allowed that can say that we can let you go without paying you anything unless, unless that term is only three months. So yes, the, the short answer is a probationary per- period cannot be longer than three months. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. More of your phone calls coming up. Some emails and lots more info you need on the employment hour. 744, the employment hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell. The phone calls. Got to Alex in St. Catharines. Good evening, Alex. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks, Aaron. Okay. Um, a question that I assume the answer is yes to, but so many people ask it on a monthly basis that I figure I may as well ask, and Leroy's a good person to ask. Sure. So, say you have a, a fixed schedule. Monday to Friday, as for instance, and you have a holiday that falls on, say, the Monday. So say you choose not to work it, which would then just somewhat be par for the course, I would imagine. Some people choose not to work on holidays, and they just take it as the day off and get paid the eight hours. Say you choose not to work it. Can your company just schedule you in on the Saturday so you still have the same five-day work week? Can the company schedule you on the Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, they they absolutely can unless that's something that they normally do. So if you never work Saturday, they can't just decide to schedule you on a Saturday. Uh, So is that the situation or would the person normally work on the Saturday? You see, that's the thing is no. The the situation is normally it'd be a fixed five-day work. I see, got it. No, so so that's a good point. So yes, the the company can't then, uh, you know, working on the weekend is a big deal, obviously. You know, people have other plans usually. So, So no, they can't simply decide... You know, because this weekend, this week happened to be a holiday week, that uh, you, we're going to make you work Saturday. Yeah. What what that means is if the employee doesn't work, so it says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not available to work. They can't be penalized. What I mean by penalized is they can't be disciplined. That can't be let go for cause because of that. They're not doing anything wrong by refusing. So it's it's not that it's illegal to make someone work the Saturday. It's that the employee has the right to refuse it. All right. So now I just picked Monday to Friday as it tends to be the, the average Friday work. Sure. Let's just assume you're working Sunday to, to Thursday. The holiday falls on a Monday. You don't volunteer for it. So instead of making you work, obviously, on the Monday, they just drop you on the Monday. You work Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They schedule you on a Friday. Does the same rule apply even though it's a weekday? Yeah. Same rule applies. Yeah. Same, absolutely same rule applies. An employee can't change your schedule, can add a day unilaterally. Uh, if your schedule has been otherwise fixed. Now, if your schedule changes regularly, sometimes you work on the Friday, sometimes you don't, and then that's fine. But if your schedule is fixed, you always work the same days, no, the employer cannot then come and say, I've decided that this week, for whatever reason, you're going to work uh, on the Friday or a day that you don't usually work. The employee has a right to refuse that. They can't be penalized. If they are penalized, if they're let go somehow for cause because of uh, the refusal to work, that's a wrongful dismissal. Of course, they're going to be out severance. And what's the uh, what could the possible future fallout be if Alex said, "Yeah, you know what? Okay, fine. I'll come in. I'll come in Friday. No problem." Well, you, you, good question, John. By by doing that, by accepting the change in shifts, you're potentially giving the employer the right to do it again. But you're potentially saying, "Well." You know, now we've created this term that that if you change your schedule, I'm gonna my schedule, I'm gonna work it. So the problem with that is in the future, if your employer changes your schedule because you allow them to kind of get away with it and you accepted it in the past, they can do it again and again. So it's always very 
very uh, you know uh, problematic to allow an employer to do something that otherwise it wouldn't have a right to do. We'll get to uh, Margaret and Barry. She uh, writes in at Lior at employmenthour.com. I worked for a healthcare facility for 32 years wow. full time as an independent contractor. I was like, oh, last week, what am I owed? Well, yeah, it obviously fits in well with what we're talking yeah. about here. Uh, and, and Margaret, here's the thing. I mean, I, I obviously I will need more information. This is a very brief note that, that she sent us. But I cannot see any situation in any world where after 32 years, she'd be considered an independent contractor. Nonsense. There's no way of that. So if she's worked for someone for 32 years, she's an employee, John. So she's owed severance. uh, And there's no way the employer can avoid paying her severance by calling her an independent contractor. Not only she owed severance, she probably gets 24 months pay here. So if you didn't receive that, Margaret, if your employer didn't pay you uh, two years' pay, you have to give me a call. I'll, I'll find out more information, and if my assessment still stays the same, I'll help you get that two years' pay. We talked about uh, throughout the show so far hours of work and overtime. So how many hours can an employee make me work in a day slash week? Yeah, so the, the maximum hours usually that uh, you can work on a day is eight hours unless there's a fixed uh, schedule that you've agreed to uh, that that's more than that. But beyond that, you cannot be made to work more than 48 hours a week unless you signed a specific agreement that has to also be approved by the Ministry of Labor, by the way, uh, that, that that says that. So uh, 48 hours is the weekly maximum, uh, which an employer can require you to work uh, without your consent or without special approval. Uh, and remember, though, that, John, that even though it's 48 hours you still get overtime for I was hours say, work more than 44 okay, a week. Yeah. So you, you, if you work 48 hours, then you get four hours of overtime because overtime, John, is calculated on the basis of 44 hours a week, anything over that. A lot of people think that it's calculated daily. So I worked eight and a half hours today, so maybe I get some overtime. No, unfortunately. Overtime is calculated weekly, 44 hours a week. Take a break. I'm going to ask you this question to answer when you come back. What if I say no? I'm not doing it. You can answer that question. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on your cell phone. The Employment Hour continues on Talk Radio AM 640. Hi, welcome to the Employment Hour. You are on the air. Who's this? Kyle. Hi, Kyle. What's going on? Hi, I just had a question. Uh, If you were a member of a union and you get laid off, is the union hall allowed to say that you're not allowed to work non-union? Uh, no, uh, absolutely not. It's not up to them where you work. Uh, so, no, they, they can't say that, and I can't imagine any situation where they would. So, no, that, that they absolutely cannot do that. So if you've been laid off and you're part of a union, you've got to go get other work. They can't say, no, you can't do non-union. No, no, you yeah. can go work wherever you want. Union, non-union, doesn't matter. Brother's got to earn income. Got uh, Kurt in Toronto. Good evening, Kurt. Good evening. How are you? Good. What's your question for Lior? Uh, the question is around vacation accrual. I'm just wondering if uh, policies can be written to stop vacation accrual for an employee that's working in Ontario. So, so yes, the policies can be written to stop vacation uh, time accrual, not vacation pay. What I mean by that is there's two different components. Vacation time is time off that you have from work uh, where you don't have to work. Vacation pay is actually pay. Uh, so an employer can say that we're not going to allow you to accrue uh, vacation time beyond a certain point, but any vacation pay, which is usually calculated as a percentage of earnings, that doesn't go away. They can't say, well, you, you can't accrue vacation pay. That's under the Employment Standards Act. At the minimum, you accrue 4% of whatever you earn as vacation pay. So uh, so 
we have to always keep that distinction between vacation time and vacation pay. Okay, and a, a quick question around what you just stated around the minimum. Yes. So at 4%, um, if, if the company's standard increases as your years of service increase, yep. um, could they revert back to the base minimum of 4% or do they, are they expected to hold to whatever the percentage is as, as your tenure extends? Good question. They cannot revert back to the minimum. So if, if uh, under your agreement or under their policies, you've now gotten 5% or 6% or six, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, they can't say, well, we don't have to give you that, so we're going to go back to the minimum. Right. Once they've increased it, that becomes a term of employment. And if they try to roll it back, that potentially could be a constructive dismissal. Severance pay calculator. So severance pay calculator, uh, you know, we've talked about people losing their jobs, unfortunately, uh, Bombardier, many, many other people. Uh, one of the tools that you go to, probably, well, the first place you go to, ever, ever if that happens to you, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. What does it do? Well, as the name suggests, it calculates the amount of severance that you are owed. Uh, so it's not a week per year of service, John. It's not two hmm. weeks or anything else. It's based on your age, your position, and the length of your employment. And the way to find out, you can call me on the show, you can call me in the office, or if you're in your pajamas and you want to do it from home, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. It's free, it's easy to use, it takes about 10 or 15 seconds, and that's going to tell you how many weeks or months pay you are owed. It's anonymously, com- uh, completely anonymous. Uh, and again, if, if you, you, know, you, you know someone that lost their jobs, you really have to do them the favor of telling them about the severance calculator. They deserve to know how much they're owed. SeverancePayCalculator.com. You'll punch in your uh, your uh, your data that it requires. You'll look. Wow, this number seems really high. It's not. You know, I was, I was expecting a week or two. Why is this number inflated? Is there a bug in the system? What's going on? I know you get those phone calls. Yeah, I get those all the time. Say, Leroy, I, I, I used the severance calculator, and and it told me that I'm owed another forty thousand dollars more yeah, than what right. my employer's offering me. Uh, that can't be right. But guess what? It's right. It calculates your full entitlements. And if your employer is not providing that, that's because they're paying you less than your owed. So use the severance calculator. Don't doubt it. If you have any questions about it, you can contact me directly from the calculator. You just press the green button, uh, and, and the numbers are right. And by the way, you can always call me in the office. If you, you want to talk to me directly, always happy to chat. We're back on the air on Sunday. Join us for that show. And, of course, Wednesday nights, we are here right at 7 o'clock answering all your questions. In the meantime, yours contact, 416 416- Two one six fifty nine hundred. That is his number anytime. And Lior L I O R at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour. Once again on Talk Radio AM six forty.